0: I'm your host, Riem Labidin, and you are listening to Tech Tag Podcast. Today, our guest is Flavio Brazil. He's a principal software engineer. He maintains and contributes in different open source projects, and he's a speaker in tech conferences, I'm very excited to talk to him. Let's meet with him and learn more about his journey. Hello Flavio, welcome to Tech Tac Podcast. I'm very happy and honored to have you here.
1: Hi uh, thank you so much for inviting me. I have a lot of admiration for your work and especially the work on the early days of SEO and the innovations it brought. It's uh, Really nice to be talking to you today.
0: Thank you. I'm very happy to get the chance to talk to you also, meeting in the conferences and see your great work in the community. And uh, I'm excited to learn more about your journey. But first, for those who don't know you, could you introduce yourself and tell uh, something about, like, fun facts about yourself?
1: For sure, so um, I'm a software engineer. I'm originally from Brazil. I live in the U.S. these days, and an interesting fact about me, I used to play the saxophone at uh, Brazilian soul bands <laughs> when I was like a teenager or even my early uh, days in Brazil. I also have uh, parrots. I, I'm a bird person. I like parrots and uh, raising them and etc. cetera. So, so a couple interesting facts. Uh, I've been working with different technologies throughout my career. So uh, I've been working professionally, as a software developer for about 20 years, I would say. Uh, but since my early uh, days, like uh, as an adolescent, I always was passionate about programming and like trying to understand and uh, new things. Mm-hmm.
0: How you got interested into programming in the very beginning? How uh, did you get the inspiration to start?
1: So I would say even as a young child, technology in general was really interesting to me. I didn't have access to computers for a long time. Uh, so initially, I think when I was 11, around 11 or 10, I, I had a friend that had a computer. I would go <laughs> to his house like to play, but my uh, it was just my excuse to see a computer, <laughs> to be honest. And it was like so fascinating, like seeing the kind of things that could be in that like small screen, something that was just like the best thing in my life, <laughs> to be honest at the time. And uh, eventually, my parents uh, bought a computer. It was like a old, like those compact computers, like compared to today's technology, it was very limited. I would just play basically with that and try to understand like how things worked, how I could do different things with the computer. It was just like a really a big passion for me. And I always had also encouragement from my parents, right? So um, eventually I started, like, I was, like, uh, maybe around 15, I think, at the time. I was already, like, playing with computers for a while, and my father started encouraging me to learn things and like, well, after coding and et cetera. And he had a friend that was a software developer mm-hmm. and he asked his friend to start teaching me uh, coding. Right. So it was a really amazing opportunity because the guy was very funny. So he would like explain things in a way that was very engaging to me. And he was doing Cobol at the time. <laughs> so I my first language was Cobol. <laughs> And something that was very interesting and it stayed with me is even to today, like something that he said. He would say, like, software uh, coding—it's actually very simple. It's people that make it complicated. <laughs> uh, I think it's a simplification, right? But at the same time, it's something that, if it's with me even today, right? So I like to try to build solutions that allow people to develop software in a way that's easy, in a way that's convenient. So basically giving access to the power of developing software to more people, because it's something that can be really life changing. Like people uh, can like build things and have careers and et cetera in a way that uh, is a really interesting possibility for people. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then, and then from there, um, I did like a technical course uh, together with high school in Brazil, we had like these specializations. Uh, and I was started studying programming with that. And again, my parents encouraging me. Like my mother, I was working for a real estate company, mm-hmm. and they had like at the time in Brazil, small companies would not really have like software systems just apart them. So it's everything paper, right? And then she asked me, like, maybe you can build something for, for us and et cetera. And I built it, like made some, some money, not much money, but as a adolescence it was a lot of money for me, right? So the first yeah. time I got some money. Yeah. And that was about like 15 or 16. And since then I've been coding, like it's really my passion, I would say.
0: That's really inspiring. And later you uh, like how was your education path or have you like directly started working
1: so with the technical course with high school i started working a bit so i had this project with my uh, mother's company Mm -hmm. Uh, it went well like the system works and uh, helps the company after that i went to college and to be honest like i've never been a good student in general i had trouble school even from from an early age, I had even trouble like to start reading and writing <laughs> at an early age. And school was always tough to me. Staying like you know inside the class and listening and like the patient was something challenging for me. But. Again, with encouragement from my parents and et cetera, I went to college. It was a bit challenging because in Brazil, we, had, we have the best colleges, they are actually public and free, mm-hmm. but they are really hard to get into, right? So there is like a test, etc. And the college I got in was actually in another city. So I had to go to another place far from my family, far from my girlfriend that is my wife today. So it was a bit challenging to go through that, but, um, and even like the college itself, like classes and et cetera, I always have had trouble with that, but I made it through <laughs> and then finished uh, the college after a few years. Yeah, and that was my, basically my study in terms of programming.
0: Mm. Uh, when you started applying for different jobs, uh, how uh, did you start? Like, um, Did you look for uh, the offers in the internet or have you continued uh, with your uh, first opportunity at uh, the company?
1: So the first opportunities I had were actually internships as part of the technical course in high school and then college. And as the, the initial internship after the high school, uh, it was an interesting, I was basically an IT guy in a small office uh, and I would like give support to people to use computers, trouble they would have with network or the computer itself, I would help that. Uh, do just a little bit of coding. It was an interesting opportunity because my first time with felt like having contacts with a corporate environment. Mm-hmm. So seeing like the issues that these kind of environments have and like the politics and etc was like a an interesting study for me like to observe people, see why they were behaving they were they uh, the behaving or you know, the incentives. The the owner of the company was a kind of like an old style manager, like really roots and people were afraid of him so people mm-hmm. how people reacted to that was interesting to see as well uh, I also uh, in this job I had like my first incident <laughs> with uh, IT so my boss at the time he said okay I have, we have these three computers we have to format these computers I sense like uh, an announcement saying okay I'm going to format the computers by the end of the week please let me know if there's anything at the time there wasn't like cloud or synchronization or backups like people would just work on things on their computer and if they lost it, it was just lost right and yeah. by the end of the week I formatted the computers and one person he was a French guy working in Brazil and he came back the next week and he saw the computer formatted and he had one year of work <sighs> in the computer <laughs> well, it was like a very stressful situation because the guy was like yeah. he lost a lot of a lot with that right so And he was like so upset, like I thought even he was going to hit me at some point. But at the same time, I think it was an interesting uh, learning because I saw how software and how systems can be something really central to people's lives, right? So being careful with what you do, being careful with how you do things to make sure like your clients, people that you are working with have a good experience don't lose what they need for their work is something that was an interesting lesson from that. Uh, And then later after college, I did an internship and I worked for many years in Brazil for telecommunication businesses. Mm -hmm. So basically building systems for building users, for managing users, integrations, all aspects related to telecommunications. And that was my first internship at a company that was a Portuguese company in Brazil uh, initially, and then I went to another one. So for many years, I was working in that area of uh, CRM and building for telecommunications.
0: Cool. And uh, when uh, you were uh, in that environment, h- how did you deal with the uh, challenges? How did you manage to keep your motivation?
1: Oh, well, working in the telecommunication business, I initially had this Portuguese company I was working at. And then I joined another company that was uh, developing also this, the same kind of systems, but they were using small talk as mm-hmm. the language. And it was a really interesting opportunity because small talk wasn't really a, like a mainstream language so there were not no solutions for persistence for testing so they built many of those solutions so it was interesting to see like how it was kind of like a small branch of how software engineering could become right so it forked as like its own thing with persistence and like unit tests and i learned a lot from that Especially Smalltalk, I, I still miss the development environments from Smalltalk because it's very convenient. Yeah, it was a, an interesting opportunity. But in Brazil at the time, there was no wide career path, right? So there was like no way of you to grow as a software engineer, uh, just like in the technical side. As you grow, you would become a, a team manager, like a bigger team manager, a project manager. And I followed uh, that path and I became a manager <laughs> at mm-hmm. the end for a large project at the company. It was really difficult uh, because first I really love coding and I wasn't doing coding at the time. So it was like something missing in my life uh, at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was dealing with a project that was really problematic. Like the client was like trying to find the, our company, like by uh, fines and et cetera. And like there was lots of like conflicts and... Like renegotiation of contracts and these kind of things, and at that point it was really hard for me because I saw that that wasn't the path I wanted to follow. Uh, something I liked was to help people to grow, like or like managing people and helping and etc. It was something that I enjoyed, but. I started doing less and less of that. My work day-to-day was basically politics, fully Mm -hmm. politics. I think something that helps me is trying to separate and see things uh, from a different perspective, right? So sometimes you can have someone that is rude to you or has like some issues or some conflicts. I try to see things from different perspectives and how people see things, right? So what are their motives, what they are looking for, trying to understand and empathize with how they are uh, acting and having trouble and et cetera. I think that helps a lot. Uh, I can say it wasn't a nice experience being a manager for me, but at least I learned a lot, especially regarding like uh, how to work with people, solve like different, different difficult projects or problems. So. I would say, like the main thing I learned was like trying to see things from people's perspectives, trying to understand how they think, why they think the way they are. Right?
0: It seems like it helped to develop uh, the soft skills, including this uh, the empathy. It's very difficult, yeah. like to be able to see others' perspective, especially under uh, pressure. Yeah, it's really a uh, good. And then did you go back to uh, software development?
1: So- the way that my career was going in Brazil, going back to software development would be a step, a significant step back into career-wise. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't really much of an option for me at the time. But then I couldn't work on coding at work. I started doing coding in my free time. And that was mm-hmm. when I started doing open source uh, in Scala. I learned Scala at the time. I was like really fascinated by the language because it had some of the characteristics of small talk I liked. Like being powerful but at the same time not too complex. So it was like a really interesting way of me to continue coding. And because of that, so I started like publishing projects and etc. And eventually I got an invitation to do an interview for to work in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Um and I went to do like the interview and etc. And even though at the time it was a significant step back in terms of like how much I was going to earn or like the position, but the opportunity to learn from a different environment, like building different kinds of systems, and especially the company was a kind of like a larger scale uh, system. Mm-hmm. I was working in Berlin for SoundCloud. Uh, SoundCloud at the time was growing like crazy, like the platform was going very quickly. Uh, so I decided to go to Berlin to start working there. Yeah, and then I started coding again uh, in Berlin at SoundCloud.
0: Mm -hmm. many people who are into programming and have different skills they study different things they can be confused in the beginning what should they start with as a job maybe Mm -hmm. they it will work for them programming or maybe uh, product management Mm -hmm. or something how did you get this decision
1: so um, i think for me uh Initially with the internship, first jobs I applied and et cetera, but a lot of my career later was defined by open source. So Mm -hmm. for example, when I went to Berlin, it was because of my open source work and then to the US also open source. So I would say it's not really a traditional way of building a career. It's Mm -hmm. more like, because open source became my hobby, right? And then my hobby influenced how uh, the opportunities I used to have. But when i talk to people starting i would say if you are learning something uh learning something that you are interested about uh helps a lot right so trying to find like areas that seem interesting to you or areas that you have something like that makes you wonder or things that you want to really understand and learn i i think that's like the secret sauce for really being successful so trying to find something that you are interested about to dig deeper and go like uh, after and like, understanding all the complexities, the issues, and et cetera. I think that's a good path for starting right, in a career. Um, mm-hmm. Another path is maybe open source, but I, I think that's not for everyone. Right? It's, uh, it's just that my hobby became coding and open source. I, I don't think that's true for many people. Right?
0: Mm. You mentioned uh, a good point about like being curious to learn more helps you to be passionate about something and you develop more skills into programming or into anything that you are interested
1: about. I think also maybe if you are starting, like trying to find good references, people that can help with mentorship or teaching or even just like talking about reactions, things you can explore. I think that helps a lot, and I've done a lot of that throughout my career, trying to help people to understand where they can invest time or learn or, like, look for references and etc. I think that's something that helps a lot, trying to find people can help that can help you and give you guidance as well.
0: And w- when you started uh, working on open source projects, did you have, like, a mentor or you give it a try by yourself and everything worked smoothly? How was it?
1: Uh, as open source, it was really... Uh, Even uh, uh, today was more of a solo uh, thing because I do that as a hobby. So Mm -hmm. I have my regular job always had and etc but i basically have like my free time i do some coding as well right so it's it's more like myself like trying to build things and the way i approach open source because it's something that has no expectations there is no one paying me to do something or reach something right so i have a lot of uh, what i like about it's having the freedom to just like explore whatever i want right so uh, it feels like we like different kinds of solutions and lots of different approaches. I, I like to find ways of innovating on things. So that's, I would say, the main thing for open source.
0: Nice. We can go back to the SoundCloud experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you remember some of the challenges you have faced? Was it a remote job
1: or? No, it was in uh, uh, presential, so I moved to Berlin with my family. Yeah, so I I like programming languages, but I have trouble with natural languages. I can express express myself in English today, but learning English was really challenging for me. Mm -hmm. And at SoundCloud, I was going to work for the first time in English right? So I think you maybe can uh, yes. empathize with that. It's yes, I can. hard. Like the first time it's like a really difficult, right? And the week before my move to Germany and starting to work, I had a health issue. I had a partial facial paralysis. Uh, it's called Bell's palsy. So basically the right side of my face just like completely stopped working. I couldn't move any muscles. <laughs> oh. So imagine like I was going to a new country, like snow people I don't know new culture and starting to work in English with my right side of the face like not moving right so it was many times like I considered like giving up like okay let's just go back to Brazil go back to my family go back to what I know right yeah but um I had this dream like uh, to really build something different like be able to learn from these large-scale systems learn from different technologies different people with different experiences so I couldn't really let it go. So I continued, like, even throughout the difficulty to start working and communicating with people in English and et cetera. And I'm happy that I did that. It wasn't easy, to be honest, uh, at all. But, um, yeah, it's what defined like, the career I have today, I would say. right? So, yeah, uh, I think that was one of the main challenges. Um, the main challenge when I went to Berlin and Germany, you know,
0: yeah, especially about the health, I I can imagine it's very difficult. Uh, um, do you find support, uh, like, did you need support at uh, that time in Germany or you needed to solve it in Brazil before you go? So
1: the condition is something that is uh, not well known. Um, there isn't, like, many treatments and et cetera. So there was, like, a default treatment. So there wasn't much I could do in Brazil. So I went to, to Berlin uh, regardless. And in Berlin, I had a lot of support from the company. My mm-hmm. manager at the time supported me a lot. So, uh, the people team also supported me a lot. So. Uh, Some was had this thing with like bringing people through mm-hmm. like the world, like people coming from all over the place, and then providing supporting support to them, and that was really key for me, and also support from my family, right? So my wife and my son went with me yeah. later, and supporting uh, from them it was good to have all those people uh, interested in helping me, supporting me. So yeah, that's that helps a lot as well.
0: Yeah, it's very important and it's very nice to be in a good environment uh, at work and have like this culture. Yeah. And how long uh, did you work there?
1: I worked at SoundCloud, I think for about two years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, at SoundCloud initially, the company had a big problem with a monolithic rail, ribbon rails um, base. So that was how the company grew as a monolithic monolithic ribbon rails system. And it wasn't, it wasn't able to keep up with the loads at all. So I think there is like different factors that technology itself has some trouble to deal with scale ruben bra- on Rails. But at the same time, like the way that the system evolved wasn't ideal as well. Mm-hmm. So the company had this trouble. And initially when I joined, they had an approach where they would migrate to any language. So building microservices on any language. So we had like Clojure, Haskell, Scala, like all in the same company. And that wasn't working well because there was like no common uh, functionality across the system for observability, for our, uh, things that are basic for operating systems. Uh, and when I joined, the started the migration to microservices in Scala. So that became the main language there. Uh, and I worked on the base libraries, the base systems. Uh, I think my time at SoundCloud was the most productive so far in my uh professional life because of the needs of like rebuilding this monolith yeah. uh we basically like started rewriting lots of systems really quickly like uh, in a month we would like rewrite two major parts of the platform like in Scala, and it was really um really fast pacing and i had a good friend uh working with me a brazilian as well and we would just like code and like make things happen and it was really a great opportunity uh, for me to learn and like uh, build more things you know?
0: i can imagine uh, having like this challenge to to work together to build something and all of you have the similar vision to make it happen yeah. uh, it helps a lot and then how did you decide to move to a different job and did you stay in germany or
1: yeah so I was in germany actually so Things went well at work. We adapted, but at the same time, my family wasn't really adapting well to Germany. Uh, so we were thinking about leaving. And at the time, SoundCloud was using Finagle, that is a library by Twitter. Mm, yeah. Uh, so I started interacting with them, doing some open source work with Finagle and etc. And because of that, they invited me to do the interview with Twitter. It was a very really stressful process because going to the U.S., the visa question is really difficult, right? So yeah. uh, you have a lot of process, like really stressful interviews and like it's it's not easy. And I was um, fortunate to be selected by the H1B lottery. So mm-hmm. I couldn't I could help not not be selected, right? So I I was I got it. So yeah, that's how I went to then to the US, uh San Francisco Bay Area. And it's been where I am um up to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how I ended up at Twitter then later.
0: Interesting. And like how was your experience there?
1: So uh when I went to Twitter, it was like really fascinating to see how like really large scale systems work and like the kind of problems those systems have like it It was a really great experience like I met people really bright and that taught me a lot like I learned so much about the systems the problems and like um, being able to collaborate people that were like Wow. So people that were really references to me. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was a really great experience. Um, Even at SoundCloud, I had like this interesting performance work. I like to learn new things. So when I feel that I'm not learning or like doing something different, it becomes like a bit difficult for me. So at Twitter, being a big company, I was able to change teams a few few Mm -hmm. times. So initially I was working in the tweet service and then I went to a completely different area that was big data libraries. Mm-hmm. So, like jobs um, in Hadoop and etc. Twitter has like its own library called Scalding for uh, defining jobs. At mm-hmm. least had I not know how things are today. So, and working on big data was very interesting because it was like a completely new domain. I didn't know anything. So, like okay, let's go again, learn from the basics, starts like building and etc. It was really mm-hmm. nice to be able to do that. And then later. Because of this focus on performance, I always had like this context with the Java virtual machine, the JVM, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to learn it like deeper, right? So understand how things really work internally, Uh, and then eventually I changed teams again to work on the JVM uh, team at Twitter. I think the people that were in the JVM team at Twitter, they are just like the people who created like the major garbage collectors of the JVM. Mm, really like people that are references in the field so i learned so much from them like it was a really good opportunity and at that time like uh, performance became more of a focus for me so Mm -hmm. in the jvm team i was basically working on performance optimizations production issues related to performance so performance became more of like my main role Mm -hmm. uh, at that point
0: Nice. And like uh, changing from different teams, uh, having like that opportunity to also always keep learning, keep growing in different areas and you don't get bored. And uh, Mm -hmm. it gives you more like the motivation that every day you have new challenges, etc. Yeah, it's a really good uh, opportunity. And uh, do you remember some of the challenges you have faced there?
1: So uh, sometimes like corporate environments are difficult, right? So you have lots of politics, lots of like things that happen that are difficult to understand. Mm -hmm. So in working on performance, it's a bit challenging domain. People really need you when they need you, but not necessarily when they don't need you, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, it's hard to raise an awareness and... Have the credit for your work sometimes in performance. I faced some of that. So, uh, even though I was able to deliver like major optimizations for Twitter, sometimes like doing things or like being able to influence technical decisions was not so easy for me. So, I would say that was something that was a bit challenging. And, but I, at the same time, I started learning more about those things, how I can improve and be a better engineer, be able to talk about my work, be able to show my work and etc. It was something that I didn't bother much before.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you for promoting your work? Do you make it visible yeah. better than say nothing and feel like they are not seeing your value?
1: Yeah, so I would say I wasn't pretty successful at that, at Twitter because I don't know, I couldn't see it as something that was interesting to me. So... I just like kept pushing, not like really working on that. But eventually I started like focusing on that and trying to document my work and like show the results and, and etc. I think even if it's something that feels like, okay, why are you like trying to promote yourself? Like that's not something nice to do or something like that, but it's important because how can people know what you're doing and the value of what, of what you're doing if you are not talking about it, right? So yeah, I started structuring more my projects and like, Producing documents and etc. and that helps a bit. And later, when I joined the company I'm in now, I started doing more of that as well. And I feel, I saw how that can be also a good way of helping other people to understand problems, to see problems for different, from different perspectives. So I started valuing more like writing about my work and I do um, this new job. You know.
0: I agree. I find that it's important to like to document things and also to promote your work etc because at the end other people will learn from you and also they will maybe they will discover other things and they will do the same it becomes Mm -hmm. like a culture and that will value each individual i think it's also nice to do an effort Mm -hmm. to do a presentation to do a demonstration maybe they even didn't know that because sometimes people Mm Uh, see mostly the front and they see only pictures they don't know even what's going on what what mm-hmm. are the processes that make things work and i really encourage that also raise awareness about how things work and also about mm-hmm. uh, you your uh your efforts and
1: yeah and truly that was a learning curve so i Because I'm a shy person, so Mm -hmm. (laughs) promoting myself, it's hard for me, right? So, uh, but at the same time, as you said, like being able to influence people, like help them see different things. I I think it's when I saw that happening, especially in my recent, more recent job, then I saw, okay, no, this is something that actually has a value. It's something that makes sense to do, right?
0: Yeah. Since when did you start to uh, give talks in tech conferences?
1: Yeah, conferences, I've always given talks at conferences, things like my times in Brazil. So that's something I like to do, Mm. Uh, but more because of the technical aspect. So being able to talk about more technical things and like being able to talk to other people about those problems and solutions was something that I always enjoyed to do. So yeah, it's something I've been doing for many years. Um, I think what changed for me was my more like Writing documentation about my work, like trying to provide like better understanding of the mm-hmm. things I'm doing, the results of the work. That's something more recent, I would say. But giving talks is something I've been doing for a long time.
0: It's really great that you are doing that. And the beginning of that, was it like your own decision? You say, OK, I will apply to a conference or meetup or was it like some like community who inspired you or...
1: So when I started giving talks, um, I was working in Brazil at this company that I worked with Smalltalk and et cetera. And there was a, a person that was really inspiring to me. His name is Klaus Ost- Frostfeld. And he built like something that was really interesting, like a few innovations in software through developments. And it was like a reference for me, right? So seeing him like giving talks and like The way he was able to talk to other people and exchange ideas and experiences inspired me to start giving talks as well. If I'm not not mistaken, my first talk was with him uh, Mm -hmm. as well. So that's something I uh, spoke about at the beginning of our session, right? So finding people that you can have inspiration from and can learn from was also uh, something really important for me to start giving talks. um,
0: Definitely, because also like when you are around these people, they inspire you to do more and to make progress in your career. Yeah. And after Twitter, how did you progress uh, on your
1: job? So I was always looking at the tech uh, scene in Brazil because I'm Brazilian, right? So I was mm-hmm. observing this company. It's a think called Nubank, that they were like a small startup. And their idea was to build something that would compete with the large banks. And in mm-hmm. Brazil, the large banks, they have so much power. Like at the time when they started doing that, I think, Almost no one would say, okay, they are going to be successful because the big (laughs) banks are going to just crush them, right? And that wasn't the case. Like I started seeing the company growing and growing and growing and growing and it was like, wow, that's so amazing. Like a Brazilian company, Brazilian people building something so big, so amazing, the tax scene, right? So I was really impressed by the company, but I didn't think I could work for for them um, because like working, I was in the West, the company is in Brazil and et cetera. But to my surprise, later someone from the company reached out to me and said, "Okay, do you want to come work with us?" I was like, "Okay, if that works, yes, sure." Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm very interested, and it worked out. Like, I was able to join the company, and it's nice to be working with like American people, Brazilian people as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because I can walk like the different cultures uh, well, uh, both yeah. American and Brazilian, so it's been a really great experience. I joined the company. As a performance engineer so um, there was no performance team uh, at the company uh, and they were growing like really fast and having scaling issues um mm-hmm. so i joined to help uh, form this performance team the systems performance uh, team at the company and if it's been like a it's a it was an amazing uh opportunity because when i joined and the team started I started with this person who invited me to do the interviews. Uh, He was like an engineer with me starting this new team and he became like a good friend, like someone that I admire a lot as well. And we built something that was like the company was having outages almost every month, like major outages. And it was really hard to see a path to solve those issues. And we decided to build something new, like an innovation to solve that problem. It was a really risky move, right? Mm-hmm. So I was just joining a new company. I'm going to build something no one has ever built, <laughs> like an innovation. Should I really do that? But uh, at the time, I couldn't see like a better path to solve the issues we were having. And we started just like, OK, let's build it. And I'm really grateful to the person who invited me to work there, uh, his plan to work with him like on this project, because we just like started coding like and trying to solve all the issues that came in our way to really deliver the projects and we were successful. Like we were able to deliver uh, the solution. It's an adaptive uh, way of like sizing the number of threads in applications. It's something very low level, but it's a a way that no one does and it works really well and it solves the solves the instability that we were having. So yeah, it's been a, a really great ride. But it, like I said, I like to change teams. <laughs> so I helped just farm the, the performance team at Nubank and we delivered this project, some other projects. And I'm now moving to a new team <laughs> uh, to work on a new area. So I'm working on solutions on top of large language models now. It just started a couple of weeks uh, before, uh, recently. Ah,
0: that's really interesting. And you yeah. are uh, using different programming languages or did you stay so, with? Uh...
1: Scala? actually closure is a sorry uh, no bank is a closure shop so mm-hmm. Nubank bank actually bought uh, cogany Text that is the company uh that is behind closure and uh, database mm-hmm. called atomic as well so it's a, mostly a closure uh shop at Nubank. um mm-hmm. in the performance team I did some closure but mostly Java because the solution with the thread adaptive threading model mm-hmm. was something more generic for the JVM, so we didn't want to make it in Clojure, so we implemented it in Java. So it was a bit of Java and a bit of Clojure in the performance team. And now for my new team, I'm not sure yet, but I've been exploring using Scala, and it seems promising because Scala has some features that you don't see in other languages, for example, to be able to reflect on um, to do meta programming uh, on codes and to be able to provide more higher level abstractions for people to make things simpler. And the domain of large language models is very dominated by Python uh, mm-hmm. nowadays. And the libraries are, I would say, relatively simple. It's just like a simple interaction. Okay, make a request to the large language model, get the results. There isn't like much abstraction on those libraries. So I've been exploring some abstractions, some more advanced solutions uh, in scala
0: how uh, did you learn the new language is it like just by um, checking up the project and try to figure out or you needed to see some Mm -hmm. courses and
1: i've never been a good student so i don't like courses or like formal learning environments so i learned more by experience and by example so i for example Mm -hmm. when i'm learning something new i like to look at existing codes uh, debug the codes, try to understand how things are executing. So, and writing some code to see how things behave. So that's my approach to learning. Um, but I, I think each person has a different approach to learning. So yes. uh, I think it's important to understand like what, it, what works best for it yourself and like try to find like ways of improving on that, right? So how to learn. Yeah.
0: And uh, this is your current job, right?
1: Yes. mm mm-hmm.
0: And uh, what are your challenges now? So
1: I think the large language model area is really a greenfield. So there's so much happening so fast. So, for example, if we build a solution today and write a project and invest in the project, eventually in a month, that's going to become deprecated, right? Because the market is advancing like in a really really fast pace uh, so in that sense it's really challenging uh, to build things but I think uh, this area of like building better abstractions for leading new large language models, something that seems promising to, to work on uh, I think that's one important challenge I think other challenges like being a new team in a new environment like building the relationships and etc that's always like a work you have to do and make sure you do well. Uh, so that's something that is important for me to make right. So I, Yeah, I think these are like the main challenges at the moment. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, uh, do you manage to find time uh, with uh, your work with open source projects?
1: So uh, I used to do open source for many years. And eventually I stopped doing it because of problems with the community. And like, I would like read these projects and people would be like have really harsh feedback, like even implying like things that were not very nice. So I eventually stopped doing open source uh, because of that. And it became like of a, a something missing in my life because it was my passion, like my hobby. And I didn't have that anymore. But I started doing a project um, a couple of years back, um, my free time. And I've been working on this for a long time and like exploring so many things. I It's so nice because I have the freedom, for example, to write something delete everything and then start from scratch again. (laughs) I did that like many times uh, because there's no one like waiting for me to deliver something. Uh, So it's been like a really nice um, way of exploring. There there is like a few things that always bothered me in the solutions that we have today in Scala, especially in terms of being something that's easy to use, that is more accessible Mm -hmm. to people, more people being able to implement things in Scala. Uh, So that is one of the main focus of this uh, new library. And the other focus is, that is, uh, I would say, if you look at my open source projects, it's normally about how can you build something that's easy to use, easy to understand, more accessible, but at the same time has good performance, right? So Mm -hmm. it's it's an interesting twist, right? Because it's not easy. As you build more abstraction, it's easy to lose performance uh, that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, for example, Quill was in that direction, right? So Quill is a language integrated query library I created in Scala. It's one of the main uh, libraries for database access. And when I wrote it, it was like, read this question, how can I provide a way of building queries that is more high level, but with good performance? And the Mm -hmm. answer was like, okay, maybe let's just compile the queries at compile time through metaprogramming and macros and it works. <laughs> so it's one, a library that's alive uh, to this day, right? So uh, NTO, that is this new library I've been working on. It's more of an effect system. It's similar to ZIO, and it's very inspired by ZIO as well. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, admire your work and uh, John's work like, in the early days of ZIO, because to me, the way ZIO innovated in the effect system space was the main innovation in this space. You know, not, not only Scala, I would say in Functional Programming in general. So I have a lot of respect and admiration for that. And Geo uh, is more of a generalization of the mechanism in Zeo. Uh, maybe I'm getting too technical. I don't know if we should get so technical. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> but, it's okay. It's very yeah. interesting.
1: Because ZIO has like these two effect channels for uh, short-secreting with the error handling. And then the environments channel for like injecting dependencies and that's amazing because it brings so much power to zeal it's just like mind-blowing right yeah Um, and the way that QO works is by generalizing that so instead of having these two parameters like specific types of effects QO allows you to define any type of effects and it's based on algebraic effects right so uh, Mm -hmm. it's very convenient like you can use an effect with another without much overheads, without like all the issues that you normally have, like with tagless final or Monet Monet transformers. So it becomes very convenient uh, to develop things. I'm also like trying to not use like category theory concepts or like symbolic operators should have something that's very easy for people to understand, right? It's not yeah. complicated things that they have to understand or learn just to be able to code. Maybe behind the scenes, it's okay to use those concepts, but not mm-hmm. exposing that to users. Uh, something that I feel is difficult as well like all these symbolic operators. Mm-hmm. Um, for At least for me, it's, I, I don't feel well like working with these <laughs> operators. So just like having something that's like playing uh, regular English, like that people can understand better. And also providing a way of using direct syntax uh, that is like async await, but generalized to any effect, right? So not necessarily async, async, but Mm -hmm. other effects as well. So that becomes much more convenient for people, newcomers. And also the car itself had like a lot of this work of like, how can we build, can I build something high level? has good performance. So the car has like some characteristics that make it like have a performance that uh is like in a new level if compared to the current effects system. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited about that. Um I had like the issues with the community over the years. So I've been pushing like release the project for a while because of that. But um yeah I think I'm ready maybe to release the project soon. So mm-hmm. let's see. Um,
0: you are ambitious. You have a lot of ideas uh, you put in open source. But when these challenges uh, come on the way, the obstacles more than challenges, how did you cope with them to be able to continue to move forward?
1: So for a long time, like the early days, I published many libraries. I even lost count of how many libraries and to me, it was really a hobby. So I would, like, develop something cool. That's just you with yeah. people, right? So no pretense. Like, uh, it's really, to me, as a hobby, as a way of exploring things. But then, like, the feedback would be, like, people implying, like, that I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, or I don't know, like, the basic of, like, things. Like, it, it's not nice, right? Nice, right? So for a long time, yeah. I just ignored that. Um, so up to Quill and et cetera. But then... My last project was Monadlis, it's a very interesting innovation, right? So I didn't think like it was a perfect library without any issues or anything like that. But the mapping from direct style is like kind of basing away to monadic transformations. It's a very interesting thing to do. Like if, if you show that that mapping can be done, it's an interesting innovation in that space. But uh, yeah, the feedback was so terrible. Like um, at that point, I thought, okay, I'm doing all of this for free as like a hobby. If it's not fun, okay, I'm gonna just stop. So for many years, I wasn't doing open sourcing Scala, but I'm, start, I'm doing it now again. Like trying to, mm. I don't know. Let's see. Like I, I want to publish the new projects, um, but it's so. At the same time, it's so nice to just work by myself. <laughs> no yeah. users asking for fixes, no requests <laughs> from people, no people complaining about like not solving their problems, it's just myself building something cold, right? So but at the same time, it's nice to be able to share your work, to be able to influence directions of innovation in the community in technology. So yeah, I hope I will be able to publish the projects and not deal with too many issues.
0: When I saw you presented some of your work, it is a good idea when you see like there are people who are seeing that. And at the end, if some people think it will not help them to solve their problem, they don't need to comment on that.
1: Exactly, but are they don't people... need to use it.
0: <laughs> exactly, they don't need to use it. But there are people who appreciate your work because you are offering something that is accessible uh, and make it easier. For people to be uh, to build uh, programs with also high performance, you like you are offering a good solution, and mm. uh, uh, there are people who can use that. Work can be involved, but if they think that it's not useful or for them, I don't think it is useful. Also, to put that comment or
1: um, yeah. I I don't really have a problem with like using monads and and etc. I don't have difficulty with that. It's just that I see my career working with Scala I've seen so many people struggling with that so yeah. okay let's build a solution to help this, those people I I think that's a reasonable thing to do right so yeah. but the feedback is like this this kind of solution shouldn't even be allowed to exist that was like the feedback right so yeah you know, it's hard to to continue if that's what you have to deal with, right?
0: It means that maybe you are building something that can influence people to use, so they will go towards your solution and and Mm -hmm. it will make maybe, yeah, it is maybe politic or something, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it could be. And uh, to wrap up, uh, I would like to ask if uh, you have like an advice you would like to share with people, especially those who are starting their journey and uh,
1: are interested about
0: your path. Mm
1: So thinking of my career and the challenges I faced over the years, I would say something, and it's something that when I mentor people at work, I normally uh, try to communicate as well. That is, even though you can see like people that are really accomplished, like people that are references in the field or things, uh, things like that, we are all figuring things out as we go. Yeah. No one has the perfect solutions for everything. No one has the knowledge to do everything. No one is really like uh, just knows how to do everything we are all figuring things out so um don't be afraid to share your thoughts don't be afraid to ask questions find ways of collaborating with other people find ways of helping other people with their ideas find ways of working with people on your ideas. so sometimes like people think okay you have to be like kind of a genius to code like perfectly cold without any bugs and that's how you're going to be successful that's not true at all like The people that I see that are successful are the ones that are able to take feedback and learn from it. It's like help other people to grow, like learn and express your ideas and explore your ideas and build things that sometimes might be risky as well. Taking risks, I think, is a lot of that as well. If you see people that are the most successful, maybe they are the ones that have the most failures. (laughs) Because you have to really go after like building things and that's how you become good at what you do. And that's how you learn, how you build a good career, right? So uh, it's something that I communicate to people. I normally mentor at work. So, um, and it's also something that helped me over time. Like for example, when there was like a challenging situation or some problem, okay, no, let's just go ahead and like, let's try to build things. Let's try to learn from others. And that's been really good for me uh, as a career path.
0: And I really found uh, your journey is very inspiring. Thanks a lot for sharing about the different experiences. Thank you for your time. I'm very happy to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you
1: so much, William. It was a nice talk. Uh, it's, you are someone very easy to talk to, so <laughs> I appreciate like how the, talk, the conversation went well. Thank you. I'm
0: happy to hear that. Thank you, too. Have a nice day. Thank you.
1: <laughs> you, too.
0: I'm looking forward to our next episode with a new guest and new inspiring story. Until then, stay safe and stay tuned to our next episode. Tic-tac, tackle the inspiration.